0: here's what i want us to do this morning i don't i don't know kind of what your experience with the holy spirit is um, those of you guys who are not christians and this is your first time visiting or maybe been coming for a couple of weeks uh, maybe you've never even heard of the holy spirit and you're going to learn a lot about it this morning uh, those of you guys who have grown up in church um, we're kind of all over the board uh, with the holy spirit right uh, like some of us probably grew up in churches where we taught on it and you're very familiar very comfortable and others of us kind of grew up where the Holy Spirit's kind of mysterious and foreign, kind of like an alien on another planet, and uh, we don't really know what to deal, how to deal with them or what to do with them, and uh, so for the majority of our lives, we've kind of just, we've known that the Holy Spirit is there, but we get to a passage in Scripture, and we just kind of pass over it. Uh, Because we kind of live with this misconception that the Holy Spirit is literally impossible to understand, that there's no uh, no way we can comprehend all that he does and all that he is, and yet Jesus speaks very differently. Uh, We're going to be looking at at John chapter 14, verses 15, 16, and 17 this morning. Uh, We're also going to be skipping around uh, John chapter 14, 15, and 16. And, And Jesus has some incredibly clear things to say about the Holy Spirit, I mean, he is just so obvious. It is so black and white that he just says, I want you to know who the Spirit is and what he does. And so this morning, we're just going like, to take a step back and listen to the words of Jesus. And this is not going to be a comprehensive uh, theology of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to go through and look through every verse in the Bible. Uh, we talked about the Holy Spirit um, a couple years ago. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to a more comprehensive uh, study of it, you can go back and listen to the podcast. But this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at these three chapters uh, we're going to be thinking about in light of who the Holy Spirit is, what does that mean for us as a church? And uh, so John chapter 14, I want to pray for us, and then we're going to jump in. God, I know that what we need more than anything is you, and some of us need to be awakened to the reality that you are God. Others, others of us need to be reminded of your goodness. And uh, others of us, God, we just, we need to be with you. And uh, so I pray that as we open scripture this morning, as we spend some time studying, that you will do the work that that only you can do of opening our hearts, of of giving us ears that hear, of of opening our eyes, of, of God creating a hunger in us for you and to know you. And God, I pray that this morning will be a holy moment where we encounter the living God and that we leave here differently. And we don't just want to encounter you for the sake of encountering. We want to to be different and to know you. So flood this place, Jesus. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. John 14, starting in verse 15. This is Jesus talking. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I want to read this just a couple times. It's so important for us to, to know these words, To so let these soak into your heart. It says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And so John starts out uh, telling us, recalling this moment that he had with Jesus, recalling uh, these last words that Jesus had when he was gathered around his disciples. And Jesus says that he is going to to send uh, an advocate. Some of your translations say helper, some say comforter, some say encourager. And the word that Jesus used there is this word that was pretty popular in the first century. It's this word called perikletos. And it's not important for you to remember that word, um, but it is important for you to know that in the first century, uh, when they would have heard that their minds would have started racing, uh, because it was this word that meant so many different things. It was loaded with meaning. A was uh, was someone who was called into a courtroom uh, to bear witness for someone uh, in their favor. That's one way of, uh, that a perikletos function. A second way a perikletos function was he was an advocate that was many times that was called into a courtroom to plead for mercy for someone who was under charge. Uh, a third thing that a perikletos was, uh, was someone who had expertise in certain areas. And so if you needed wisdom, if you needed a sermon, if you needed knowledge in something, you would go to a perikletos and they would help you. And the fourth thing that a perikletos was, was essentially an incomforter, was an encourager. Uh, Many times uh, in war, after a long day of battle, uh, if the troops were discouraged, if they were down, if they had lost some of their buddies that day, they would call in a parakletos to come in and essentially just give a motivational speech. And so Jesus, when he uses this word, he says, I'm going to give you the spirit of truth, this parakletos. Uh, They would have had all of these ideas on uh, what he would do and what he would look like. And I love what Jesus does over the next few chapters. He kind of spells out what his Paracletos, what his Holy Spirit is going to do. Uh, and so these are the five things. I'd encourage you um, to use your connect guide in your seat and write these things down. I don't know if you're a person that takes notes or not. Pull out your phone and, and write these five things down. These are the five things that Jesus tells us in John chapters 14 through 16 that the Holy Spirit's going to do. So the first thing That he tells us he's gonna do is he's gonna glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. This is John chapter 16, verse 14. Jesus says, He will glorify me. He will glorify me because it is from me that He will receive what He will make known to you. If you've been with us for a while at Ethos, you know that we use that word glory a lot here. The word glory literally just means weight, it means significance. And so part of what the Holy Spirit does is he just points to the significance of Jesus. He points to the beauty. He points to the majesty. He points to the magnificence. He points to the power, to the wonder, to the glory of Jesus. Part of his role, part of his existence is to help point to Jesus. Uh, When I first came to Nashville, I remember I was driving down Hillsborough Road about eight years ago. And there was a site that I'd never seen before. I'm from small town Kentucky, and so you didn't have these. Uh, but there were like five or six of these guys, um, and they were just like, sw- like swinging these signs. You know what I'm talking about? Like the sign twirlers. And they like have a lot of fun. Like they're throwing it up in the air and twisting behind their back. And at first I was confused. Like, what are those guys doing? And then I realized what they were doing is they were advertising for a business, And so they would stand on the sidewalk in front of the business, and the whole point of what they were doing was to spin that sign to get your attention so that you would go into the store. And none of us are confused about the sign twirlers, right? We know that their whole purpose of being there is to point to something else. Jesus is going, this is what the Holy Spirit does. He points you to me. The Holy Spirit will continue to point out the significance and the glory of who I am. Now, John chapter 14, verse 16, we just read this two times. It says that the Holy Spirit, when he is given, he will live with us and he will live in us. And so this is incredible if you think about for those of us who are Christians, that if part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to to point to the the magnificence and the glory of Jesus, then he does that in us. That in our sleeping, uh, in our everyday life, that the Holy Spirit is constantly in us, pointing us to Jesus. He's helping us think about the magnificence and the beauty and the power and the wonder of Jesus. And I know that this is absolutely true. Last weekend, I had a terrible weekend, just a really tough weekend. Some family stuff was going on in my life. We're just kind of sitting up in the hospital. And I remember, like I can't even uh, recount how many times I kept thinking that Jesus alone can heal. just be sitting up there in the hospital and I just randomly out of nowhere kept thinking that Jesus alone is sovereign. Uh, that Jesus alone is bigger than this, that Jesus alone is powerful, and it was completely unprovoked how the Holy Spirit in us people will continually point us to Jesus. The second thing that the Holy Spirit is gonna do is he's gonna guide us to the truth. This is John chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own but he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. I love this. He he guides our lives so that we don't just know a bunch of facts about God. He guides our lives so that we don't just become more educated on who he is and what he does, but he guides our lives so that they are lived in a way that brings glory to Jesus. He guides our lives in a way that he leads us to Jesus. And this is incredible. Because since this is true, it means that we're not on our own. That it's not up to us to know God. It's not all on our shoulders to find God and to seek God and to be right with God. And my fear is that many of us have a wrong understanding of what it means to be a Christian. For a long time in my life, I had just kind of this misconstrued view of what it meant to follow Jesus. I kind of viewed my faith like I was Bear Grylls. You know, the, the guy who gets pushed out of a helicopter and he lands in some forest that he's never been in before. And he is on his own to find his food, to take care of himself, to, to find his way out of the nature and to find his way back home. If I ask you, how many of you view your faith like that? How many of you would answer I do? That we, we view faith like it's all up to us to know God, like it's all on our shoulders to be right with God and to connect with him, right? Right? That's why when we pray and when we fast and when we read scripture and we worship and we don't feel God, we go, crap, if I can't feel God for these things, how am I ever going to know him? How am I going to be right with him? And Jesus gives us a better, a different picture. He says, you're not on your own. He says, not only will the Holy Spirit point you to Jesus and help you see how wonderful he is, but he's going to actually take us to Jesus. A couple of years ago, I went on family vacation. Uh, we went up to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I know what you're thinking, "Like, who goes to vacation in Idaho?" It's a, it a blast. Uh, if you like outdoors, you would love it out there. Uh, one of the things that we did, we went whitewater rafting. And how many of you guys have been whitewater rafting? Just curious. Yeah, a lot of you guys. Um, what is so impressive about whitewater rafting is how unbelievable the guides know the river, right? I mean, every guide is exactly like. They smell like Skull Wintergreen, and they don't shave, but they know the river. I remember just being so impressed with our guide because um, he knew, like, every time you hit a rapid, he knew the exact angle you needed to take uh, the rapid so that you didn't flip. So there's like six positions on the boat, right, and everyone has a paddle. He knew exactly who needed to be paddling when and with how much force they needed to be paddling. Uh, He knew the shallow spots in the water, like he knew the places where you needed to avoid. He knew the places where there were jagged rocks that if you got too close, it was going to be dangerous. And he knew the places where it was deep waters, where you could jump out of the boat and swim or you could jump off the cliffs. And I remember talking to my guide and I was just kind of asking him about how he knew this river so well. And he said, before anyone can go out on and be a guide, he said, they have to know the river back and forth. He said, they literally make us swim the entire river. I was like, gosh. He, he said, and, and they want us to, to be comfortable, to know the ins and the outs, to know everything about it. Uh, I, I remember thinking that, that our guide, he, he lived there year around, uh, which means that he got to, to watch the rivers rise and watch the rivers fall which means that he not only got to experience the river, but he got to see the river. That's what Jesus is telling us, that the Spirit as our guide, the same Spirit that is inside of us as believers is the same Spirit that was inside of Jesus, the same Spirit that experienced everything, the same Spirit that, that has gone through everything, the same Spirit that knows exactly what it looks like uh, to get to the end destination and to get there safely, the same Spirit that is unbelievably capable and competent to lead us to Jesus is the same Spirit that is guiding us. So the Spirit guides us. The third thing Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit is that he will teach us and he will remind us of everything that Jesus said. He will teach us and he will remind us of everything that Jesus said. John 14, verse 26. It says, but the advocate the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and he will remind you of everything that i've said to you uh, do you guys realize that every time we hear a fresh word from god like every time we're in scripture and, and something takes root in our heart or every time we're we're gathered and we hear the proclaimed word of god and it sticks in our heart do you realize that every time We learn something about God, and that it changes us. That that is a work of the Holy Spirit. I think too many of us uh, we go through life, and we're, we're too busy asking the question, "Man, do I even have the Holy Spirit?" And we fail to recognize just how involved, just how much He is moving. Do you guys ever ask yourself that question? Do you ever wonder, "Do I even have the Spirit?" You look at your life and you go, man, I'm not producing any fruit. I don't think about Jesus. I'm stuck in sin. I don't think I even have the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is giving us a new picture of a way to process and to think and to see the Holy Spirit. He says, every time, every time you're you're reminded of me, every time you think about me, every time a new word takes root in your heart about me, it is a Spirit that has led that there. He said, that is the Holy Spirit at work in your life. I love that he says, um, he, he tells us that the Holy Spirit is going to remind us everything that Jesus has told us. And so literally, he says that everything that is in here, G, the Holy Spirit is going to remind us. For those of you guys who are believers, is this true? I mean, how many times do you, do you find yourself just like driving home from work or working out in your garden or doing whatever it is that you like to do, waking up in the morning, and out of the blue, you think about Scripture, Does that ever happen to you guys? Do you ever find yourself just kind of uh, sitting down to watch a movie and before the movie starts, you think about Jesus? Do you ever sit down to eat a good meal and before you you think about Jesus and his words, like how many times does the Holy Spirit work in our lives and we don't even notice it? We dismiss it. we don't think about it. And what Jesus is saying is, church, we've got to be a people that have eyes that see the way the Spirit is working inside of us the depth and the magnitude that he is working to help us see Jesus. I think he is constantly reminding us of scripture. And it's our job to to recognize that in those moments. I remember one of the most clear times from my own life, I was in high school, it was my senior year. um, There's this new girl in town and she, her family just moved moved to town. Her dad was actually a pastor at some church and I remember meeting her, and she was like just the nicest, like the quietest girl you'd ever meet. Like you talk to her, and she puts her head down. She's just so quiet. Uh, I remember going through lunch line one day, getting terrible cafeteria food, and sitting down with my buddies. And I remember looking over, and I'll never forget this, and just like seeing her sit by herself. And I literally just remember like Scripture, remember Jesus saying, like, treat her the way you'd want to be treated. Due to her is you'd want to be treated. And I don't know if you know that phrase, if you've heard that phrase or not. It's not, some, like, it's not from some uh, bedtime story. It's not from some storytell book. That's the words of Jesus. Me and my buddies, we got up and went and had lunch with her. I, I don't just tell you that to, to, I tell you that because I want you to see that the way the Spirit is working in you I was unbelievably just, just blown away by how much the Holy Spirit is working in you. And this is what I mean. Uh, last year, we challenged you to raise, uh, to, to support and to adopt 200 orphans through Compassion International. And so once a month, we had someone sitting out in the lobby. Josh was sitting out in the lobby, and he had these packets of these kids that are scattered all over the world, literally, in Africa, in and Haiti, and, and all over the world, these beautiful children that are, are, don't have enough food. They don't have water. They don't have a place to live. They don't have money to, to, for medication when they get sick. They don't have a school to go to. And you guys were filled with compassion. And, and I don't know why you chose to do that. I know the reason that Court and I chose to do it is because we realized, man, that, that if, if that was my kid, I would want someone to take care of them. Thought about Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 25, right? Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And I watched as over 200 of you guys committed to taking care of these kids. It's why so many of you, uh, when you are walking downtown, you're filled with compassion. When you meet someone who is hungry, someone who is thirsty, how you stop in the middle of your tracks and you go and get them food. It's why so many of you are filled with compassion when people in our church don't have a place to live and literally you bring them into your house and let them sleep on your couch Church, that's not just you being a good person. That is the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit teaching us and reminding us of Jesus and his words and the way that he lived. Doesn't the thought of like listening to the Holy Spirit more? Like doesn't the thought of being led by the Spirit where we are noticing him and we're thinking about Jesus and we're thinking about the scripture, doesn't that sound like just an incredible way to live? Doesn't that be just showing up to church and worship once a week? Doesn't the thought of of walking with the Spirit and and appreciating the Spirit and seeing the Spirit, isn't that a much better way to live? It says the Spirit will teach you, remind you of Jesus' words. The fourth thing the Spirit's going to do is that he will testify about Jesus. This is John 15, verse 26. It says, When the advocate comes whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The idea here, the picture that he is painting is the, a courtroom and the Holy Spirit standing and, and testifying, yes, Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is the, the, the son of God. He is the resurrected Lord. He has ascended to the right hand of God. He is going to return to judge the living and the dead. He is filled with compassion and mercy. He has taken all of our sin upon him. He has opened a door for us to know God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit testifies to the world that Jesus really is who he says he is. I love that he uses the word the world there because he's not even talking about us. He's talking about people who do not believe in Jesus. He says, the Holy Spirit is testifying to the world. Isn't that crazy? Do we really believe that? Now, the the very next verse, John 15, 27, it says that, that Jesus also sends us to testify to the Holy Spirit or testify to the world about who he is with the Holy Spirit. But I think this is incredibly important. He says that the Holy Spirit, he does that with us, but he also does that without us. That the Holy Spirit himself is going out and pointing and testifying to Jesus. I was talking to this guy a couple months ago. We were having coffee at Frothy Monkey. And he was fixing to move to New Zealand to plant churches. I was talking to him and just kind of about that. And he he and his wife were in the process of, of raising funds and they were fixing to move. And he said a, a couple months ago they had gone over to visit New Zealand just to kind of become comfortable and familiar with the people and the culture. And he asked the, some of the missionaries over there, you know, how are you, like, sharing the goodness of Jesus? Like, how are you showing people that Jesus is alive, that he is good? It's like, are you inviting people into your house? Are you, like, studying the Bible with him? Are you inviting them to church? What does that look like? And he said, one of the things that the Spirit of God is doing in New Zealand is he is revealing himself to unbelievers in, in dreams, and i heard that and i was like what that seems really weird and this guy was thinking the same thing he said yeah there's uh, you know uh, half the population in new zealand they're they're not believers and he says and, and one of the ways that the holy spirit is working is that when people are sleeping literally they'll just have these dreams about jesus and a lot of them, they don't know who he is or, or, or what he does or what he's about, but they just can't help but think about Jesus. And so one of the, the ways that missionaries are spreading the gospel is they literally just go up to people, uh, that they see people and they're provoked by the spirit and they just go, hey, have you been having dreams about a guy named Jesus? And he said, you wouldn't believe it if I told you how many people are like, yes, who is he? And I don't know what you think about when I say that story. I had a hard time getting my mind around it because outside of my experience, but I do believe that Jesus is telling the truth here. And if he tells us that he is testifying to a world that, that doesn't believe, that he can do that however he wants, whenever he wants, in whatever way he looks like. The truth is that the Holy Spirit is testifying. He is telling the world about who Jesus is. I was thinking about how many of us how many of you are here today, not because someone invited you, but because something was stirring in your heart? I guarantee there are people here today. Uh, it doesn't make sense. You hadn't planned on coming to church. You hadn't been to church in a long time, but you felt compelled. You felt convicted to come to church. And it's because the Holy Spirit is testifying. He's stirring something in your heart, making you hungry for Jesus. The fifth thing that the Holy Spirit's gonna do, this is the fifth thing, the final thing, is that he will convict the world. So John 16, verses eight through 11, Jesus says, when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove, or a better word is, he will convict the world about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will convict the world, Uh, the world being people who aren't yet believers. And I don't know uh, what you think of when we hear the word conviction, but in my mind it's like always a negative thing. It's like, crap, I don't wanna be convicted of anything. He said, the Holy Spirit, though, when the Spirit convicts, it is always for the good of the person. You know, the, the times that, that we are convicted, when we are overwhelmed by our shame and our guilt and maybe over who we are or who we've been acting, the Spirit of God convicts us not so that we just live in that place but so that we see that for what it is. We see how unfulfilling and how sinful it is. And at the same time, we see how beautiful and how glorious and how wonderful Jesus is. And we gladly leave this behind, this shame, this guilt, this sin, and we turn to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is always, always convicting for our good. It says that he convicts the world of this. <clears throat> Whether we believe it or not, people who don't yet believe in Jesus, it says that he is convicting them. And he is making them dissatisfied. He is stirring up something inside of them that is making them discontent with the life that they're living. And at the same time, he's also convicting the church. He's convicting us of areas in our life where we are failing to fully submit, fully to live like Jesus. So the Holy Spirit convicts the world. And this is where I want to end today. We talked about kind of those five big things, and it's good for us to understand the way that the Holy Spirit works, and so we can start to identify and see the way that He is moving and working in us. But there's still one thing out there that's just kind of floating. And I think that if we get this, it like just brings it all home. I want to go back to John fourteen where we started in verse sixteen. You guys have been good flipping around so much today. Verse 16 in chapter 14, he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. So we talked about the role of the advocate. And then listen to what he says. And he will be with you forever. The Holy Spirit will be with you forever. Do we really believe that? church, Christians, do we really believe that once God gives the spirit, he is here to stay? Have any of you guys ever wondered, like, does God take the spirit from me? Have any of you ever been in this place where you have been so broken, you've been so overwhelmed, you've been so caught up in sin, and you've been running from God for so long that you just have God on your knees and you have begged God, God, please don't take your spirit from me? I can't even begin to count all the times that I've prayed that prayer. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've I've hardened my heart, or I've run from God, or I've been disobedient, or I've been living in sin, or I've been running from him, and something happens, and I go, man, is his spirit still with me? It's as if I believed that God gave the spirit to me when I was good and he took the spirit from me when I was bad. Does that resonate with any of you? Uh, And and the only problem with with viewing and and living and believing that is that that's not what Jesus says about the spirit. Uh, You know that we don't earn the spirit, okay? Like We don't twist God's arm into giving us the Spirit. There's nothing that we can do, even if we, uh, we, we get baptized, and even if we do all these things because we want the Spirit, there's nothing that we can do that makes God gives us the Spirit. Okay, We do not earn the Holy Spirit. He is a gift. And so the way that this works, according to John chapter 14, is that Jesus looks down from heaven. He looks down from his heavenly throne, where he is reigning over all creation. And he looks at us, his people, And he sees people who are so unbelievably dependent on him, right? Isn't that all we as Christians are? Are just people that realize that everything that we need is everything that Jesus has. We're we're people that realize that everything that Jesus is, is everything that we need. And so we look to him for everything, for all of our strength, for all of our wisdom, for all of our power, for all of, for everything. And we love Jesus because we realize what he's been done for us on the cross And Jesus says, when I look down from my heavenly throne and I see people who love me, who are obedient to me, who who realize that I am everything, he says, when that happens, I call the Father and the Father sends the Holy Spirit. And the Father does not call him back. Listen to this. The Spirit remains with us. Even when we sin, uh, even when our hearts are hard, even when we run from God. Listen to this. In the same way that, that God does not give us the spirit based on good things we do, he does not take the spirit when we are caught up in sin, okay? Jesus is not a liar. Jesus is telling us the truth. We've got to get to this point where we don't just believe this here, but we believe this here, and it changes the way we live. That we believe that no matter what we do, no matter where we are, the spirit of God is always with us. Do you guys realize that we have been given everything we need to know God? That we have been given everything we need to be right with God, to be in the presence of God, and that hasn't come to us in the form of a set of facts or a list of things to do. But instead, God has given us himself to guide us to lead us, to be with us. You know that God could have structured salvation. He could have structured a relationship with him however he wanted. He could have told us, if you do these 10 things, you'll know me. If you do these 10 things, you'll be right with me. If you do these 10 things, you'll be in heaven with me. But that's not the way he chose to structure things. He says, the way that I'm going to pursue you, the way that I'm going to save you, the way that I'm going to be with you forever is that I'm going to send you the spirit right now. When I was in late elementary school, I think it was in fifth grade, I went to basketball camp up in Kentucky. And uh, it was an awesome camp. I was so excited, so looking forward to it. it was, I knew I was excited about two things. I was excited about getting better basketball. Like, what better place to learn basketball than Kentucky camp, right? National champs, if you've forgotten. Um, I was excited about learning how to play basketball better. I was excited about meeting all the players and getting their autographs. The thing that I knew, I knew I was going to love those things, but the thing that I didn't realize that I was going to enjoy so much was being there with my dad. It was a father and son camp. And so like everything that we did, like we did together. And I loved like my dad, he coached my basketball teams. Like I was like, as soon as I started Little League and I loved having him as a coach because he knew the game of Basketball. Like he could stand on the sideline and he just understood things. Like he knew, like when there was a zone defense, like he knew the plays we were supposed to run so we could score. He knew the weak defender that we were supposed to attack, right? He knew how to call plays to get people open so we could have open shots. And as much as I loved having my dad on the sideline coaching me and helping me, it was so much better having him in the game with me. There was something about him not just telling me how to get open, but him setting screens for me to get open. Uh, There was something about him being close with me out there, playing with me, and not just telling me how to play. There was something about him being out there competing, realizing that the faith, the way that things were going to end, like if we were going to win the game, part of it rested on his shoulders. There was something about him being close to me that just made all the difference. I remember we were playing two-on-two. We were playing this like behemoth of a man and his son, and I blew by his son and broke his ankles, I think. And his dad, I think, was upset about that. And so I went to shoot a layup, and I'm not even kidding. This 40 year old man, like, knocks me to the ground. Like, what kind of a man does that to a kid, right? <laughs> Maybe it was you. Maybe that was you that did that to me. Shame on you. You're here today. Uh, I remember as soon as that happened, my dad went up and got in that guy's face, and I was like, Knock him out, Dad! <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> But I remember that, like, being kind of scared and like, what was that all about? But I was instantly comforted because my dad was there. I knew that he was close. He wasn't on the sideline. He was as close as he could be. Uh, you know, and I love that this picture that God gives us, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter, the guider, uh, that God's not on the sideline telling us what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it, but that he is with us every step of the way. And he is guiding us. He is leading us. He is protecting us. He is there with us. And so I just kind of thinking about what this means for us. For those of you who are Christians, I think just what this means is that we've got to, to ask God to open our eyes to see the way the Spirit is working in us. And we've got to fully believe that the Holy Spirit is always with us We've got to start letting that affect the way that we live. We've got to be a people that that join the Holy Spirit in what he is doing with us so that as the Holy Spirit testifies to us about who Jesus is, as the Holy Spirit is convicting us, as the Holy Spirit is guiding us, as the Holy Spirit is teaching us, we do those things for other people. Does that make sense? That we join the Holy Spirit because we realize how good it is, the work that he is doing in us, and we want to be a part of that. And so we become missionaries with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and we let Him work on us. We're fully obedient to Him. And when He convicts us, we're quick to confess and quick to turn. And when He teaches us, we praise Him. And when we think about Him, we praise Him. And we set our hearts and our minds on Jesus the way that the Spirit is helping us. For those of you who are not yet Christians, do you realize that the Spirit is like freely given to anyone who loves Jesus. And you go, man, I don't love Jesus now. I'm telling you, it's a process, okay? Jesus says the first thing that you do when you don't yet believe is like you just believe who he is. You believe that he is a son of God, that he did come to this earth, that he did die on the cross, that he did uh, rise from the dead, that he is coming back. He says, believe, put your faith in him. And as you believe and as you trust and as you start to know Jesus, you will love him. And Jesus says, and I'll give you the spirit.